0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and we want to talk about Rookies of the Year, the... 2022 Rookies of the Year were just announced, and uh, as we typically do when that happens, we start looking ahead to the next year and who some of the early candidates are to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year uh, that following year, so we're gonna do that. Uh, Jim, Jonathan, and Sam have a story up on the site now where they look at uh, leading candidate for each team and we are also, uh, beyond that, we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to have a Rookie of the Year, 2023 Rookie of the Year draft between our experts, Jim and Jonathan. Uh guys, I haven't mentioned this, but uh, $25,000 will be on the line. That probably goes without mentioning $25,000 on the line. Uh, we will award points about a year from now when the 2023 winners are announced. Uh, you'll get five points for uh, any one of your players receiving a first-place vote, four for second on down uh, to one point for a fifth-place vote. We will also talk about uh, some interesting names that were added or not added to 40-man rosters last week. Uh, Deadline went by last week in which uh, players uh, either had to be added to the 40-man roster or become uh, choosable eligible for the Rule 5 draft, which is coming up in a couple weeks now at the winter meetings in San Diego. And we are going to wrap up, as we always do, with the mailbag, but this is going to be a little extended version of the mailbag. We're going to uh, answer a couple few of your questions. So let's get into the Rookie of the Year talk. And uh, we talked last week about uh, this year's Rookies of the Year Something that we didn't mention, and I really didn't see much talk of this anywhere, and I just I brought it up uh, earlier when we were chatting online, the three of us, but uh, the Mariners, in addition to having this year's Rookie of the Year, by virtue of having this year's Rookie of the Year and having him on the opening day roster, they will be receiving a draft pick at the end of the first round did, did you guys hear much talk about this when it was announced? I mean, I guess I know obviously it wasn't the focus, but uh, I, I didn't really hear a whole lot of buzz about that, but that's a that's a nice little bonus. It is. And yeah. I was going
1: to say it was mentioned, but not, it, you know, the things I think like we care about as, as, as prospect hounds, like we're all interested in that. But I think it, I, I did see it mentioned several times, but I think it just got buried in the who won the award and how the balloting went and that type of thing. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice incentive. I, I I still, I'll tell you what's, what's, what's odd to me. So like Spencer Strider finished second in the national league, but because he pitched two innings last year, he he made two appearances for two and a third innings. He was on the Braves opening day roster, but they don't get a pick for Spencer Strider. Correct. Oh, even know he finished in the top 2 in the balloting and he was on the opening day roster. I think it's only if you have- Well, you
2: have to win what you have to win the rookie of the year or finish in the top isn't it? Finish in the top is it 3 or 5 of the MVP or, or Cy Young award.
0: I thought it
1: was voting. in the top 2, but
0: But let's say but let's I mean I think the 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 question is let's say Strider had won would that would the Braves not have gotten a, a draft pick? He was on their opening day roster, but because he... Jim, what you're saying is because he was up last year, they don't get... They wouldn't have gotten that, that bonus?
1: I think, but now I think I don't know the rule correctly. Yeah, so... I, I, I haven't seen the rule. Here's exactly.
2: how I think it works. Here, reading here, under the prospect promotion incentive, teams can earn an extra pick in the draft if a rookie-eligible player with 60 days or fewer of major league service who is included... On a preseason top 100 prospect list by two or more of Baseball America, ESPN.com, or MLB.com, is promoted and finishes high in award voting in, in any year before he's eligible for arbitration.
1: Okay, and and he wasn't on the top 100 list either. So so yeah, I, I guess I misunderstood the rule. I was wondering why they didn't get picked for Strider, but he would have had to win the award. Finishing second does it. But I, I thought, did Adley Rutschman? get like a bonus year of service time for finish second finishing second. I think there's a bonus year of service time that some guys get too, right?
2: Yeah, I think I think the only thing that's tied to a second or third place finish in rookie of the year voting was um if the international draft were implemented, then that player could earn the club a selection if finishing second or third in rookie of the year voting.
1: Okay, yeah, I think, I, th- I, be- I believe, as I as I Google frantically here, the top two rookie of the year finishers get a full year of service time even if they didn't accrue a full year of service time. So Rutschman gets a full year even though he was not up for the full year. Interesting. And in that case, I mean, it's a little unfortunate for the Orioles because I don't think they were trying to manipulate anything with Adley. He was hurt, um, but – you know, good for Adley. I mean, it, 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 it's it's nice that, you know, there, there's a couple ways around service time manipulation. Although, again, like I'm saying, I, the Orioles were not trying to manipulate Adley's service time. He was just injured. But, like, if you had a team trying to play games with it, like the, the Cubs did with Chris Bryant years ago, where they kept him down to the exact day to delay his free agency a year, if this rule had been in effect when Chris Bryant won the Rookie of the Year award, he would have gotten the full year anyway, and the Cubs would not have gained the extra year of service time. So, I, I like that rule.
2: Well, yeah. that's the yeah, yeah.
1: That's the whole point of the rule, isn't it?
2: No. Yeah, and I, I, I think there was some uh, some research done. Uh, this would have been interesting for us to do, but I, I think it was uh, Matt Eddy, uh, Baseball America, went back through those their lists and determined that there were more top one hundred prospects on opening day rosters this year than all but one. Uh, previous year, going back to
1: 1990. But see, I, I we we talked about that at the time, though. And I, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like I I want to see more before I believe that's a trend and not just a right. coincidence. I think this year was an exceptional, exceptionally talented rookie class, which also played into part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a perfect storm. I think. I think the rule in, was encouraging, but it happened to be at the same time that there were all these really good prospects. At the upper levels, ready to ready to to play in the big leagues. So we'll have to see if that if that does uh, continue. Throw in that the COVID year where we didn't really know as so the start guys started to pool at the upper levels. So well, I'm, I am curious as well to see if uh, this is something that continues beyond this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, last year, twenty twenty two season, just about everyone in the top ten. Uh, had an ETA of 2022 and looking ahead at at 2023 um of course the top 100 list will change between now and opening day as we'll put out our preseason top 100 list in January but if you if you look at the current list uh fairly similar situation where uh eight of the top nine players on the current list, have ETAs of 2023, uh, the exception being Marcelo Mare of the Red Sox, everyone else uh, 2023, and even among the top uh, 10, they're all either 2023 or 2024, so kind of similar situation there.
0: Well, yeah, and if you look at the top four that we have currently, it's Francisco Alvarez, Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, and Grayson Rodriguez, all four of those guys are going to impact the big league team. Right away, one would think, or have a very good chance to. You know, some of the others, you know, you know, I don't know that Yuri Perez will be in the, on the Marlins' opening day roster. You know, he may be up at some point in 2023, but the top four, as it stands right now, are all guys who uh, either hit, made it to the big leagues or would have if it hadn't been for injury. In the case of Grayson Rodriguez, so uh, we should at least see the the top of the list. Uh, impact the big leagues and and show that they could maybe compete for rookie of the year honors right away.
2: Yeah, you know, I I didn't think to look at this, but you guys uh, in your story on each team's top rookie of the year candidate for 2023, um, I think the top what the top six well well no prospects because-
1: because because the Orioles have number two and number four. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, they can They they both can't be on the list. That's right.
2: There are uh, of the thirty teams, uh, twenty one of the players listed are uh, among top one hundred prospects. All right. From the from this list, was there as you guys went through and and picked your teams' players, was there any particular team that was difficult for any reason or, or anyone that was uh intriguing for for one reason or another. I guess you mentioned the Orioles right off the bat they have.
0: Yeah, that yeah, I could have gone in either direction with the Orioles. Um, you know, but I I figured with Gunnar being slightly higher ranked and having already been in the big leagues, uh that was easier. Um but either him or, or Grayson Rodriguez, I think. Uh, and there were a couple of teams where there wasn't you know, an, an obvious pick. Um, you know, the Braves are one I actually kind of looked at for a while because they seem to have a rookie of the year candidate every year, even though their system has thinned out with all you know with all the winning that they've been doing at the big league level. Uh, but they often have guys who kind of surprise you. You know, I, I don't know that I thought Michael Harris would be ready as fast as he was, or even Von Grissom what he did, you know? So I, I thought about picking someone like that, um, you know, and ended up going with Jared Schuster, a slightly safer, you know, guy who had some success at the upper levels, solid high floor kind of college lefty, as opposed to, I don't know, Justin Henry Malloy, if I were going to kind of pick a guy that could surprise people.
2: How about you, Joe?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I had a, a tough decision like Henderson versus Rodriguez, but probably the most, Loaded team I would have would be the Dodgers. You know, we. I it feels like I circle back to the Dodgers and how deep their system is every second or third podcast. But I went with Miguel Vargas, who I think could get at bats at third base or in the outfield. You know, they also have Michael Bush who could get some at bats. They also have James Altman who, who was up a little bit this year and could get some at bats. And then pitching wise, you've got Bobby Miller, you've got Ryan Pepio, you've got Gavin Stone, you've got Landon Knack, um, yeah, you know, they have I think it's the Dodgers so they don't have you know the openings that a rebuilding club would have but they do have you know six or seven candidates of guys who could contribute like I, <laughs> I feel like the Dodgers will have a, a a you know one of the better rookie contributors in the major leagues It's just hard to pin down exactly which guy it might be
2: and it's funny because you you listed off all those guys and one player you did not mention, who has a 2023 ETA as of now, uh, is the highest ranked uh, player on our top 100 list that has a 2023 ETA and was not part of the story is Diego Cartaya. Is that more... uh, a result of the fact that he's more likely a late season call-up or just a lack of opportunity
1: in general. I think he's more of a 2024 call-up at this point, too. Like, when we set that, like, he was, he missed some time in 2021. He had a, you know, good, not great year in high A this year. So, you know, and and they have Will Smith behind the plate. So, like, I think Diego Cartaya is going to be developed more slowly. So, I, I would say when we, when we update our, Top one hundred, he will probably be a twenty twenty four ETA at this point. You know, I, I didn't mention Andy Payez either, and I and I, and I like Pahes, Um, but I think he's got other guys in front of him, so he might have to wait for an opportunity as well. Um, but they have a number of guys in the upper levels of their system.
2: Um, Jonathan, I thought one of the more interesting names on this list uh, was Andrew Painter, who uh, just went skyrocketing through the system, was our pipeline pitcher of the year. Um, You, in our story, you said, give him a little more time at the upper levels, but he's looking like the kind of talent um, where age and experience doesn't much matter. Do you think, I mean, when do you think we see him?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are guys that, that come around every so often where you you throw those, those the, the Asian experience variables not out the window and especially with the pitcher you want to be careful you don't want to rush into the big leagues but, but I think that what he did in his first full season kind of throws timetables out the window um, you, you know so I don't think he makes the opening day roster um, you know this is a team obviously, Coming off a World Series appearance, uh, but I could see him being in big league camp and wowing people, and then going to Triple A, uh, or even if they wanted to start him in Double A. But I think they could start him in Triple A, and then you see him in May. Uh, you know, I don't think that they will hesitate to call him up if they think that they need a, uh, you know, they need a rotation piece, and he can help them win. Uh, you know. I I don't see them hesitating on that front, especially in the year they just had. Uh, And, you know, he wouldn't have to come in and be the guy in the rotation. Uh, He can settle in behind some of the veterans that got them to the World Series this last year. And, uh, you know, it also, I don't think it would shock me entirely if he made the opening day roster. Uh, His stuff will play. And it's just a question of how comfortable will the Phillies be given his lack of, of innings and reps in the minors to put him in well, that situation. Well, I mean, situation.
1: we saw years ago, Jonathan, and I'm with you. I agree. I, I was going to ask you if you thought he'd be up by June 1st, and, and, and you went and said he could be up in May. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think so. so, too. But I was going to say, you, you, I, I could give you two tales, one that worked out and one that we still don't know how it's going to work out. But remember when the Marlins did that with Jose Fernandez? Yeah, and they promoted him to good Mar- leagues at 20? And he was he was rookie of the year and finished third in the Cy Young Award voting, um, and he was he was unbelievable. I remember talking to him at the Futures Game, and, and his year was not unlike Andrew Painter's year, where he didn't pitch in Double A, but he right. had a sub two ERA and he had you know 158 strikeouts, 134 innings. So that's the, the the case where it worked. And then the other guy who who immediately jumped to mind um, as a guy who came out and just tore up the minors in his first full professional season and got to A, and that was Forrest Whitley, who we've talked about a thousand times on the podcast. And I thought Forrest Whitley might have been the big leagues in 18, and then he led the fall league in strikeouts after he had a weird year that year, and I thought he'd be in the big leagues in 19, and he wasn't, but he led the fall league in strikeouts again, and I thought we might see him in 20 and then 21. And, I mean, he's had Tommy John surgery, and he still hasn't pitched in the majors, and this year he had a 6 3 ERA only pitched 40 innings, most of them in AAA, and I don't know what's going to happen to him. So, I mean, that's almost like, I guess, the two ends of the spectrum um, of guys who looked tremendous as 19-year-old pitchers. Those were the first two guys who jumped to mind, and one of them immediately became one of the best pitchers in the big leagues the next year, and the other one still hasn't gotten to the big leagues five years later, and yeah, you know, I do our Astros list. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with that guy on our top 30 list this season. Uh, so, right. um, yeah, I mean, but but I, I mean, you look at Jose Fernandez. I mean, it's not unprecedented that a guy like that even made an opening day roster and then was, was great from the get-go. Uh,
2: well, this works nicely, Jim, because I wanted to ask you about uh, one of the players on one of your teams, and we can stick with the theme of 19-year-old pitchers. We can stick with the theme of 19-year-old Marlins pitchers. Um, Yuri Perez, I'm curious if you had to choose between Perez and Painter as to who we'll see make a bigger impact at the big league level this year. Who would you take?
1: I would go Andrew Painter. Um, you know, you know, if, if I'm like trying to split hairs here, and you guys know I love Yuri Perez. You know, Perez had some arm issues toward the end of the season. Marlins aren't really going to be contending. There's no need to rush him. Uh, I think Perez gets at least a half year in AAA. Um, and, you know, as Jonathan noted, I mean, the Phillies, are, the Phillies are in it to win it. I mean, you know, they got to the World Series, you know, it's, it's they're obviously contending. Um, they don't ha- – I mean, nobody really has, you know, five-set starters or very few teams, I guess, outside the Astros have five-set starters. And you could probably make a case that, you know, right now, Andrew Painter is one of the Phillies' best starters. So, I, I, I'm with Jonathan. I don't know that I necessarily see him making the opening day roster, Painter that is, but I bet he's up pretty quick, whereas I don't see I, – I think the Marlins are going to take their time with Perez um, and, you know, make sure he's completely healthy and there's really no need to rush him because, again, I, I I just don't see the Marlins contending this year.
2: We may need to update Andrew Painter's 2025 ETA, Jonathan. You think? Uh, the the other um, youngest players on this list of each team's uh, twenty twenty three best twenty twenty three rookie of the year candidate uh, Jordan Walker uh, of the Cardinals twenty years old uh, Francisco Alvarez the number one prospect in baseball uh, twenty one years old so those are the the youngest players uh, in addition to Perez and Painter on the list uh, all right well let's let's do this draft. Um, this is, I would say half-baked, came up with this idea this morning, decided to do it. As always, we don't have a draft order yet. Jim and Jonathan, uh, let's see, bring up the old randomizer here.
1: <laughs> I, I think Jonathan should, should. well, I mean, Jonathan can have his option, but I think Jonathan's greater enthusiasm for the Rule 5 draft should should earn him, like, top uh, top honors, wow. or at least he gets to pick. <laughs> And if, my, my only request, as always, is the draft must be serpentine. Or are we not going yeah. serpentine? Okay. Snake draft. Yeah. Yep.
2: Let's do it. And Jonathan. Uh, with, with two people. Yeah. <laughs> R- <laughs> R- rule five, completely unrelated here. No, and
0: by the way, that is such a low bar that I'm clearing to get the number one pick. But and
2: I you got it anyway it. via uh, random.org. So well how did you choose uh, that? Okay. Like, I, well, like I,
1: I like what was the process? Was Jonathan team one and I was team two, or was it reverse? Like no, I, I I added I, not, I put, not, you, not put your names enough. in
2: alphabetically. I put your first names in alphabetically.
0: No, so the jump cut was entered first. Yeah. See? Uh
2: all right. So to explain this to explain this a bit again, uh, Jim and Jonathan will pick 5 players each that they think will fare best in the 2023 Rookie of the Year voting uh, approximately a year from now. We'll see how they do and the winner uh receives $25,000 from the other.
1: Sweet. Not really.
2: Uh okay, Jonathan, uh <laughs> number one pick. <laughs> Who are you going to take? Um well, I'm I'm going to
0: not go right from the top, but pretty close. And I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson. As we have discussed earlier, he was our pipeline hitter of the year. Uh, had a huge year in the minors, going from double to triple-A and then to the big leagues and uh, showed off the tools there. Uh, I think the combination of his his tools, his ability to use them, and the opportunity he's going to have right from day one uh, gives puts him very much in American League Rookie of the Year front-runner status uh right in the driver's seat.
1: See, I feel like Jonathan almost has like an unfair advantage because I did my beat report on um on Rookie of the Year next year's Rookie of the Year class yesterday. So I think he knows my thinking. So Yeah,
2: he wa- he watched it before we started and he's
1: Yeah. I
2: play it in a loop.
1: Yeah. So he he, he knew and, and and he knew Gunnar Henderson was my pick to be American League
0: Yeah that was really to, shocking. I, I went out I on the limb. yes, Gunner, I know. So. Where did that come from?
1: So so anyway I, I would have picked Gunnar Henderson number one as well. I will uh, I will take uh, Corbin Carroll with my first choice, the yeah. uh, Diamondbacks outfielder. Their outfield's a little crowded, but he's so talented that I, I think he's going to get at bats. So I, I will take uh, Corbin Carroll. And then I think with my next pick, like I, I, I like this guy, so it's not that I, I don't have faith in him, but for two broadcasts in a row from the Fall League with Dan O'Dowd, I think Dan must've talked about how much he loved Jordan Walker about a dozen times and how he thinks he's going to be rookie of the year and he's going to be their opening day, right? Fielder. So I will take Jordan Walker with my, with the third pick in this draft. So I I will go national league. I will double up on the national league with Carroll and Walker.
2: All right. Yeah. I was curious if you'd, if you'd go, uh, take one from each league to, you know, increase your chances of winning both leagues. But, uh, on well, National League heavy on your first two picks, Jonathan.
0: I appreciate so that, and he also built in some plausible deniability, where you can now yeah, blame Dan. Dan. O'Dowd. Well,
1: no, if you if you look at my beat report, I, I I talked up Jordan Walker. So so so, Jonathan, go ahead and cherry pick a couple more guys because I know you know nothing about rookies <laughs> other than what you saw in that beat report video. <laughs> that, that is, I
0: I didn't even know this was John an Henderson, award before who's I watched your like, beat yeah. report.
1: Well, I, at least hey, I clearly didn't know the rules that that, that are attached to the award and, and what you win your nice uh, you know complimentary gifts. But anyway, there, that's that's right. Um, all right, so I
0: I I like what Jason was saying in terms of trying to to uh, split split the ticket. So I am uh, I'm going to go with Logan O'Hoppy, Uh now of the Angels came over in the Brandon Marsh trade, went absolutely bonkers in double-A, and then got called up. Uh, Again, uh, should have every opportunity to be their starting catcher. Uh, I think the only thing that might hold them back in terms of rookie of the year voting is I could see him being a very, very solid big league regular catcher. He may not put up huge numbers right out of the the gate, but he's good on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think that... Uh, he is going to be a very steadying influence uh, behind there. And then for my other pick, uh, also trying to pick uh, someone with the opportunity. It's interesting that we have yet to pick the number one prospect in baseball. Um, I, it's funny, I wasn't going to pick him. But yeah, I'm going to pick him now. Uh, I was thinking about somebody else and I'm hoping he's there for my next go-round. So I will take Francisco Alvarez of the Mets. Uh, you know they call them up late in the year. Uh, so I don't think there are roadblocks. I think you know he could catch. Uh, he can dh some you know, if they want to get his bat into the into the uh, lineup on a more regular basis. The power is obviously legitimate. Uh, so I think he has a chance to hit a bunch of homers and that will automatically uh, open the eyes of rookie of the Year voters.
2: All right, back to back catchers.
1: Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with two American league bats now. So, so Jonathan, are you, yes. okay, it's good. You can, you can have who you want. That gives me at least one of my guys. Yeah, okay. Go I'm going to take uh, Tristan Casas yep. uh, of the Red Sox. Um, he took him a couple of weeks to make some adjustments when he got called up in September. He did hit five home runs, drew a bunch of walks. Um, I think he's going to you know, hit for average too. I mean, we, we've seen him for years. I, 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 the power is the carrying tool but i do like he's got discipline to play he uses the whole field he doesn't sell out for power so i think he's going to hit and you know as you were saying Jonathan, like i think opportunity is a big part of this i also i like to pick in these drafts i like to pick hitters or or whenever we're projecting rookies of the year cuz i just think it's harder for pitchers to be rookie of the year um because you're you're dependent on your defense behind you, I mean, we're not necessarily looking at wins, but but there's, there's a lot that can go wrong for a pitcher. Um, and so anyway, I'm going to take another hitter, and I'm going to take Josh Young of the Rangers, um, who I think would have Solid. been part of this year's class if he, he hadn't gotten hurt. He he keeps getting hurt, not never the same thing, so it's not anything chronic. But if he stays healthy, I think Josh Young will have a nice rookie of the year. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say – I'm going to have a shocking fifth pick, unless Jonathan snipes me, but I do not believe he will snipe me. Shocking pick. I'm pre- I'm pre-
0: now I'm scrolling through the rookie candidates trying to figure out who that will, who, who that He's will be. He's not even but, um, on
1: the one fet. How about that?
2: Wow. Jonathan, hurry and make your pick so we can find out who this is.
0: Yeah, seriously. I'm more curious about that than who I'm picking. Um, All right, so the National League guy I was considering before I realized I should take Francisco Alvarez, I will take now, and that is Rocky shortstop Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, I think we probably would have seen maybe more of him in the big leagues. They they called him up late. He missed a bunch of of time with a groin injury. Uh, We saw him in the fall league a year ago and were impressed, even though his overall numbers weren't very good uh he took a huge step forward offensively slugged 540 in in double in a and, and mind you the rockies double a uh team in hartford it's not a great place to hit so uh and he's got gold glove caliber defense and an- another guy with uh, a lot of opportunity uh he should be their starting shortstop and i think the defense will keep him in the lineup and i think he's going to make adjustments and uh, and hit well enough uh, to To be rookie of the year, uh, in in rookie of the year consideration, and then for my next pick, I do think I agree with you. I you know I I prefer to take hitters, but I think in this case I am going to take a pitcher, and I'm going to take Hunter Brown of the Astros. Um, you know who had absolutely ridiculous numbers, uh, then came up even through. You know, through well, through very well late in regular season, and and got some postseason work. Uh, some of this is going to depend on what happens with the Astros' rotation, I think, but I, I do believe he's going to get every opportunity to pitch, uh, meet very meaningful innings uh, for for the Astros uh, in 2023 as they look to try to repeat. Uh, and so, uh, I decided to go outside of my, I usually would pick hitters rule and, uh, and pick I, him.
1: I, I like Hunter Brown. I like, I, I'm a little concerned about opportunity in the rotation to accumulate yep. innings. I, Jason, are you surprised when Jonathan started talking about taking a pick? I thought he was yeah. taking Painter. I thought, he, I, I thought that's uh, where I, you're headed. No, Man,
2: I thought he was going to go with Grayson. Yeah, that would have yeah. been a good one too. I, Could have. I did going into this, I wondered whether any pitcher would be taken, um, and then yeah, when he started saying he was going to take a pitcher, I thought it was going to be Grayson, uh, and I guess he's not going to be taken because that would not—I don't think that would qualify as a shocker. So, uh, Jim, hit us with your uh, shocking final pick, Mister Irrelevant of uh, this draft. He's
1: not irrelevant. He's going to be very relevant, but uh, and and I'm. I, I will stick to my to my going off the board. Although I'm I, after all of our Andrew Painter talk, now I'm I'm tempted to go Andrew Painter, but no, I will, you can't I, change it now. No, I'm not going to. I I I said I'm going to stick to my word. I am going Royce Lewis. How about wow. Royce Lewis as my wow? How about that? I love um, it. You know, they, you know, poor Royce. You know, talking about guys who've been injured and and various things. You just finally got up to the big leagues last year and got hurt. After playing 12 games, but uh, you know, coming back from the ACL, I, I just think you know he, he's a dynamic player. I think he could be that 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 spark that the Twins could really use. So I'm going to go Royce Lewis as my super deep it. sleeper. Like, what, what what is our official uh, our official gambling outlet of MLB's DraftKings? Should I should, we should I head over to DraftKings and find out what my Royce Lewis odds are right now?
0: Well, yeah, look now and then look to see after the <laughs> podcast gets published to see what kind of impact you had.
1: All right. I'm trying to see if I can find this right now.
0: That That is a good pick. So I will just say quickly that I uh, I didn't pick Andrew Painter because I was uh, stuck to my one from each league, and I was really only, for whatever reason, stuck on the idea of picking guys from our our one-fet of Rookie of the Year candidates, so I didn't consider Grayson Rodriguez.
2: Uh, quickly, it, it does not look like... Uh, this year's situation where there was going into the season even just looked like there was way more elite talent in the American league uh, in terms of rookies. You feel it's a little more, it's gotta be more evenly distributed going into next year. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think it it, seems that way. If I was, I, I think I'd still take the American league Candidates for 2023 rookie performance over the National League, but I think it's a lot closer.
2: Yeah, what, what did we have here? Uh, one, two, three, four, National League, six, uh, American League. All right, well, we will see uh, how this goes uh, about a year from now. Uh, you don't have to wait that long uh, for our next segment of the podcast, though we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to talk about – Some prospects were recently added to the 40-man roster and those who weren't and are therefore now available in the Rule 5 draft. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
2: Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo. Uh, We talked 2023 Rookie of the Year candidates, and now we are going to talk about uh, prospects who were just added to the 40-man roster last week. Uh, Deadline was set where those players uh, who were eligible had to be either added to the 40-man to be protected from the Rule 5 or become eligible for the Rule 5, which will take place on Wednesday, December 7th. At the winter meetings in san diego we'll have complete coverage of that there and then um so first of all guys uh let's talk about prospects who were added or were not added um and as we went into it we we said that you know every top 100 prospect uh, who was in this position of needing to be added would be um as has been the case every year uh, since we've been tracking this. This year, there were 15 top 100 prospects who needed to be added. Uh, they were, in fact, all added, and then over the past eight years since we've been tracking this, there have been 88 such instances, top 100 prospects needing to be added, and every single one of them has been. Um, looking a little deeper on Teams' top 30 prospects list, this year, there were 176 prospects ranked on an organizational top 30 list who fit the bill needing to be protected. Um, you guys probably have this in front of you, don't you? Or do, do you do. know how many were protected? No,
1: no, I don't. Okay. Hey, you know me, I've, I'm, I'm surrounded by rule five. Multiple
2: screens. At all times. Uh, out of the 176, uh, 76 were protected, which is uh, going back to 2015, as far back as we've been tracking this closely, uh, it's by far the lowest percentage of top thirty prospects who have been protected, and that number's been trending down. Um, in, We're
1: doing a worse job every year, is what you're saying.
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm curious if there's if there's anything to it. Um, it Maybe different types of players being protected over the over the course of time, but it, well, I mean, I,
0: the, the last three years, I mean. It, how much does the pandemic figure into 2020, 2021, and this year even? I mean, that's and that's where the dips really started.
1: And I was going to say, I mean, I do think the, the two lists, the list of guys on top 30s and the list of guys being protected are not ne- necessarily measuring the same thing. Like when we're doing the top 30 list, and again, I'm not going to purport that all of our lists are in perfect order from one to 30 and that we didn't miss any good players on any of the list. I mean that happens, it's nature prospects. But we're trying to rank the prospects in terms of long-term value. And the rule 5 protection, so much of it comes down to not just how talented the player is, but can another team afford to take this guy and keep him on their major league roster all year? And you have a ton of young guys that that's, you know, it's just impossible. You just I'll, I'll give you you know, one random example. Luis Devers in the Cubs system. He's a guy who had a tremendous year, one of the best seasons in the minor leagues. Great changeup, but he doesn't throw real hard. He was an A ball for the most of the year. And, and are you going to put him on a major league roster next year? That's a real stretch. So the, it's not that the Cubs don't like Luis Devers; it's that the Cubs don't think somebody's going to be able to pick him and keep him on their team all year. If that makes sense.
2: Yep. Uh, do you what would your guess be as to the highest ranked prospect that was not protected?
1: I looked that I looked that one up because when I was I was going to throw that out. So I will let John. It is one. It's a guy on one of Jonathan's teams, right?
2: Uh I believe there are three uh three ranked uh with, with the same rank, unless I miss somebody. Uh,
1: did you miss a number seven? Did you find three number oh, eight? Oh, sh- I did. Yeah, I, I, I was eights. going through the same thing. Yeah, I think there's a number seven on one of Jonathan's teams. So I mean,
0: the question is. Oh, you're right. There it is. There's a question. The question is the highest ranked player not to be protected. Protected, yes. Um, wait, I know this because he's on my. uh, He's going to be my my guy for
1: intriguing uh, unprotected
0: one. Intriguing unprotected guys. It's um. It's Eric Miller of the Phillies. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, that one surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, because he had some success this year, he's, you know, moving to the bullpen, um, big lefty with some, he's always had kind of nasty stuff. Um, I guess the Phillies just decided either the strike throwing wasn't going to come or wouldn't be enough for him to stick someplace. But, uh, he, he. He he is an intriguing guy who will likely uh, spoiler alert probably make a list of potential Rule Five picks when when we like I start really getting into that closer to the to the winter meetings.
1: And Jonathan, I mean, I think you're. Right. I mean, I think with him, it's it's a it's a calculated gamble because he was great in Double A. I mean, he's not young. He's been around for a while. He's he's 24 now, but he got torched in Triple A. You know, he, it, granted, it was only 12 innings, but he gave up four homers. He walked 14 guys. And so I think that's the case where the Phillies are saying, boy, you know, somebody's going to have to have, not, not that the Phillies don't like Eric Miller, but man, you have to have a lot of faith after seeing him get crushed at Lehigh Valley that, hey, we can put that guy in the big league bullpen and keep him for a year. It's just tough.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say he's been around for a while. He was drafted in 2019. And even though he has been you know, around for what should have been four seasons or three and a half anyway. Uh, didn't you know? Obviously, didn't pitch in twenty twenty. He's only pitched ninety seven innings.
1: Well, yeah,
0: well, he he there were injuries. Uh, he was banged up, and then twenty twenty was you know the lost season, and uh, and then now he's a reliever. So uh, you know, which I think is going to serve him well for the long term, whether whether he gets taken in in the rule five or not.
1: Well, the, the reason I was saying he's been around for a while is because he, he was one of my Missouri high school draft guys in 2016. So I feel like – I mean, I didn't know he didn't begin his pro career because he went to Stanford. But it feels like I've been talking to people about Eric Miller, I guess I have, for seven years now. So Yeah, there you
2: go. Where is he from in Missouri, Joe?
1: I think I just looked this up. Wildwood, Missouri? Yeah. All right. You need to, can you, can you shed any Lewis. light? Okay. Yep,
2: yep. He went
0: to DeSmet Jesuit High School. Yep, I know it well.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, so, Jim, any other surprises
1: um, for you? <laughs> in a word, no. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I you know, my, I think my highest ranked guy in a team was Jose Ramos of the Dodgers, who was number eight, and we saw him in the fall league, and he's interesting, but he he really hasn't played above A ball, and the Dodgers, and and he struck out, you know. He had to, have, you know, high strikeouts, so he's still not, you know, i had to think at least two years away from the big leagues, which is why I think the Dodgers didn't protect him. Not that they don't like him, they protected another outfielder, um, Johnny Deluca, who is, is also really athletic and interesting, and he's gotten to Double A and he's made more contact. And even he might be a little bit of a stretch that somebody would pick him, but they could, you you, you could potentially lose him. So so that that didn't shock me. They didn't protect Ramos, I, I guess. And again, I guess the fall league guys are in my mind. looking at my 10 teams, I was a little surprised, maybe slightly surprised, uh, very small. Uh, I was maybe 30 surprised on the 2080 surprise scale that, that the Reds, maybe 35, but uh that the Red Sox didn't protect Thad Ward, who had Tommy John surgery last year, but came back this year. He's been one of their better pitching prospects for a while. He I think he had one bad start in the fall league. But I saw him pitch really well, and I know he pitched really well again at the end of the season. Um, possible starter, but he's got you know one of the best sliders in the Red Sox system, and I, I think he could contribute uh, in a relief role. So I could see Thad Ward getting picked. And, and Jonathan, I, I'm sensing, I know how much you love the Rule 5 draft because it's so much more than me. You have another guy who was not protected who, who just <laughs> knocked you out of your seat. Who, who was that guy?
0: I I mean, I think you're overstating things. Again, it's all relative. Uh, You know, yes, compared to you, your reaction to the Rule 5 draft is like flatlining. Uh, I did was knocked out of my seat. Uh, I I think a guy that surprised me a little bit was Malcolm Nunez uh, of the Pirates, and he's their number 12 prospect currently. Uh, Came from the Cardinals and the Jose Quintana slash Chris Stratton trade. And I think Again, this is one of those, you know, the rolling the dice in terms of he's a little bit limited from a positional standpoint. Uh first base only guys are tough to stick. Now he's played a bunch of thirds. So if you think that he could play both corners and DH, this is a guy who hit twenty-three homers in twenty twenty two. Uh Almost all in in Double A. Finished up in Triple A with the extension of the Triple A season with Indianapolis, and I mean he had one homer in five games with with, with Indy. Uh, but you know, I think there were a lot of people who were looking at him as a, a guy who could potentially play first base uh, for the Pirates in the near term. There's not a lot in the system. Um, I know they just got Choi from the Rays, uh, but I, I I think Nunez looked like the kind of guy whose power might play. He's only going to be 22, so I think the Pirates are hoping that because most people or many people think that perhaps he's only going to be a first baseman and a right-handed, you know, right-right first baseman, that's a tougher profile, then maybe he won't stick. But that was one, and the Pirates have a deep system and a lot of young players, Uh, so there are limited spots on the 40-man. But that was one that took me a little by surprise because – I thought he might come to big league camp and have, and and compete for a big league job.
2: So the, those are some surprises. Um, now, what about some surprises uh, on the other end of the spectrum? I guess um, instead of ranked guys who were not protected, some unranked prospects who did get roster spots.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cherry pick two guys who have since been added to the top 30. So it's cheating a little bit. Um, But uh, one is, you know, both guys are guys who, you know, Isaiah Campbell, the Mariners is is the first guy that comes to mind. And he had been on the top 30 previously got pushed off, came out of Arkansas. So Jim, Jim knows him well from, from draft time, move to the bullpen made him a lot more interesting. Um, You know, he had trouble staying healthy in 2021, uh, Pitched much better. Um, I added him to the Mariners' top 30 after the Mariners traded Adam Macco to the Blue Jays in the Teoscar Hernandez trade. And I think this was a case of he started to throw hard, harder. His stuff was ticking up. Was sitting 96 with the fastball, really nasty slider, bullpen look. He was very much the kind of guy who would get taken uh, in 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 the rule five. And then the other guy is Roderick Munoz of the Braves, who I also just, uh, just added to, to their top 30. Um, he's worked mostly as a starter and he topped a hundred innings for the first time. I think you can keep him as a starter. I think the Braves will let him start, but it's again, it's a fastball slider combination. that's pretty nasty uh, up to 98 miles per hour. I, you know, you may shorten him up and put him in the bullpen. Another guy who probably, would have gotten a long look in the rule five had the Braves not protected him.
2: How about you, Jim?
1: Yeah, I I touched on Johnny DeLuca before who quite literally is prospect number 31 on the Dodgers list, but we only list 30 and he's not on the list, not because of lack of talent, just because the Dodgers are so deep, but he's got some power and speed. He's improving in terms of plate discipline, 25 homers, 17 steals this year, got to double a. Um, So, it wasn't necessary. I, I know the Dodgers hold him in high regard, and like I said, I mean he's closer to the big leagues than Ramos, so that didn't surprise me. I, to me, the biggest surprises were <laughs> basically names I hadn't considered in a while. I, I had no clue if you had asked me true or false, John Singleton is playing minor league baseball. <laughs> I, I would not have known, and, and he led the minors in walks this year. Now you know he's thirty-one. Um, I, I am kind of stunned. He was. Protected, but there you have it. um But then, even more so, I do our Yankees list, and the Yankees always have a bunch of interesting arms. And they proge- they protected Matt Crook, who was a supplemental first round pick out of high school nine years ago now, and he's 28, and he gets a lot of grounders, and he's got a pretty good slider, and you know, potential left handed reliever. But I was I was not expecting that one. And then Jonathan, I mean, I I, I followed this guy because he was in my neck of the woods. For the draft, but Riley Pine like yep. wasn't even playing baseball a year ago this time, right? And now he's protected.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it is a it, it is a, an amazing story, uh, and and good for for, for Riley Pine because you're right. He you know he had injuries, he couldn't throw strikes, and he he quit. And then he came back last year. I mean, he came back this year. Sorry, and uh, and ended up reaching AAA and. Uh, You know, he still doesn't throw a ton of strikes, but he still, you know, flirts with triple digits, nasty slider, misses a ton of bats, uh, put put in a lot of work to make himself relevant. Um, You know, taken back in 2016, uh, like if he he doesn't have to have great command as a reliever, as we know, Um, it got better in 2022. And if he can just... be a little bit more consistent in and around the strike zone, he's a big league reliever. The stuff has always been of that caliber. Uh, So, uh, you know, kudos to him for kind of resurrecting his career this year.
2: All right. Let's take a break, come back, and answer some questions from the mailbag. We'll do that next on the MLP Pipeline Podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. We're going to wrap things up today by answering a couple of questions from the mailbag. The first one comes from Twitter handle TW Cunningham, who asks, where does Jackson Merrill's Arizona Fall League performance land him relative to the other top shortstop prospects ahead of Holiday or Meyer or Lawler or Tovar or Luciano? I guess that's kind of five, six questions in one.
1: It, it's it's a good question. I will suggest it is blasphemy to suggest that he ranks ahead of say Holiday or Meyer or Lawler. But I I could see Tovar or Luciano. You could so think the blasphemy the
2: line guy. is somewhere between Meyer and Lawler, <laughs> somewhere well, in the back half of the top yeah. ten. Well, well, short well, yeah, list. between
1: yeah because I, I just think Holiday and Meyer and Lawler these are guys who could all be the number one prospect in baseball at the end of next season or at some point next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I'm going out mm-hmm. of limb there. Um, but, and I do think Jackson Merrill could be top 20 prospect in the next season. But I, I just think when I look at Holiday or, and Meyer or Lawler, those guys are, are a better defensively. And I think they're going to be, the, the, you, you could talk about them in, in the same boat offensively, but I think the defense separates them. Um, but I, but I, you could argue him like I, I don't think I, I like Marco Luciano. I don't think he's necessarily a shortstop. I would bet no. I, I like Tovar. You know, there's a gap between Tovar's ceiling and floor. And I think, in my mind, Jonathan, I think Merrill's a better bet to hit. Like if you're just talking about pure hitting ability. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't put Merrill. I mean, there's a pretty good shortstop class right now. And you're know, starting with Henderson. Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Volpe, and then we have Meyer, Lawler, and Holiday. He's the next five. Ellie de la Cruz is, you know, fascinating to watch. If you want to talk about Jackson Merrill after those six guys, I will. I, I would allow it.
0: How about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if I were to rank this list right now, I probably would put Tovar ahead of Luciano. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, I'm not sure that Noel Vemarte, I and mean, first of all, he's I think he's kind of a third baseman now. At least that's he played third
1: exclusively. I was going to say, Johnson, I don't think he's a shortstop. Yeah. I'm not sure he's a third baseman, and he – I'm digressing here. I'm sorry. But just talking to him at the play-in game, he he made – what was it? I think seven errors in 20 games at third base, and he – was not comfortable at all playing third base. Um right. he, now, but to be fair to him, he had never played that right. But he so. he did not seem thrilled with the idea of playing third base. Right. Not right. Hey, I'm not playing it, but like if I have to bet, I'm gonna bet not only is he not a shortstop, but not only also he will not end up on the left side of the infield.
0: No, they may they mean to put him out in the outfield. Um now the one thing I will say about this question, and I think in that back half it makes sense. And he, you know, he swung the bat well. Um, you know, remember he only played, what, 55 games during yep. the regular season. The one part of this question that I feel like we always have to say is his AFL performance isn't going to land him anywhere. Yep. Like, it was good, and he was very young, and it was a jump, so it's informative, but his, you know, I was just looking at it, but his, how many, what did he have? 98 plate appearances in the Fall League are not going to jump him way up the list. I think... How he performed there after going from low A, you know, and, and missing the time that he missed certainly helps. I think belief in his bat and that he held his own helps him. But I'm, I'm, you know, it's that usual the usual caveat about not putting too much stock into a good or bad fall league performance. But all that being said, I think you're you're largely right. I would probably put him in that maybe the eight to ten range if I were to do it without giving it too much thought right now.
2: And that's, that's jumping him over a bunch of shortstops that are currently ranked ahead of him in the top 100. Carson Williams, Matt McClain, elvis Martinez, uh, leover Paguero, Amador, Royce Lewis, Colson Montgomery, Edwin Arroyo, Mason Wynn, Oswald yeah, Barraza. That's, a, that's a big jump. Uh, just, just to even get him into the top 10 conversation.
1: That is aggressive. I, I will say there, there were... A lot of scouts... There, there were scouts who thought he might be the best prospect in Arizona Fall League. There were scouts who thought he was better... Everybody thought he... I talked to him. I talked to a bunch of scouts thought he was better than Mason Wynn. But there were scouts who thought he was better than Jordan Lawler. There were scouts who thought he was better than Jordan Walker, who's not a shortstop. Um, he blew scouts away. And again, as yeah. Jonathan said, not with his performance, but just with the swing and the way he was able to hold his own despite his youth... You know, he was that was an aggressive assignment, Jonathan. Like you point out, you know, high school first round pick from 2021, and he was hurt and he didn't play a lot this year. And Joe Mack was in a very similar situation, a high school catcher taken, I think, with the first supplemental pick, supplemental first rounder, if I remember, in 2021. He was hurt this year. He had only played about 50 games. He went to the fall league and he looked overmatched at a lot of times. And Jackson Merrill looked like he very much belonged against much older competition. So, um, what you said, Jonathan, was like it was a very good point to bring up. It's not the numbers or the performance, but the way he carried himself and was able to to perform and not look overmatched as a nineteen-year-old yeah. with no experience. Um, scouts loved him. Uh, you 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 don't have to try too hard to find a scout who would tell you they would take Jackson Merrill over any prospect in the fall league this fall.
0: Yeah, and and I'll just say like. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be a top 10 shortstop. You are guaranteeing it. I think, I think that's – don't put words in my mouth.
2: Um, <laughs> well, you
1: just you <laughs> said, you, the, word. you said you the words guaranteeing them. top 10. Yeah, I am know,
0: not – of- well, good <laughs> editing. I am not guaranteeing. I'm just saying that that's as high as I would be willing to go. I, we haven't even begun to look at this yet. Uh, I think he will make a nice jump up, and we'll
2: see where he lands. I'll leave it at
1: that. I'm telling you, right now, he will be shortstop number eight is my prediction.
2: All right. Well, that was a fun question.
1: Yeah. Uh, Who knew? They like, like went in all different directions.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. And then, then another one uh, from NIREN23 on Twitter asks, favorite minor leaguer that isn't considered a top prospect, which that kind of leaves it open for interpretation a bit. How do you guys want to define not a top prospect? I'm not just top gonna hundred
1: not on a top thirty. I'm just gonna denounce Jonathan's selection as being a top prospect when he picks him. so
0: so I looked at it as not top one hundred. Um, and my guy is on a top thirty, but he's very low down and was not a a guy who needed to be protected and was not.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, I never got. I,
1: oh, yeah, I never wait, got this. That, 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 that's so many guys, though. I, I, I have no idea. I, I need to So talk.
2: I mean, the the I, we know the he's we know I he's a
1: talker because you love yes. the guys who are great interviews. Th-
0: those are the guys. It could
1: be like Ivan Johnson or something. That is exactly who it is. Oh, is nicely. it really Ivan Johnson?
0: It is Ivan Johnson.
1: Wow, how about me pull? I just remember how much you <laughs> loved Ivan Johnson in the Fall League in 2021. That I our listeners should know I had no advanced knowledge. I cannot believe I pulled Ivan Johnson out of a hat. Wow.
0: (laughs) That that was that was quite impressive (laughs) because the whole time before we started recording, I was like, if you think about it, you'll know who it is because I tend to find these guys who I love talking to. And last year in the fall league, uh, I interviewed Ivan Johnson for the podcast, and it was a fantastic interview, both about you know, on the field and off the field stuff. And then I sat and talked with him. And Jimmy you and I, we both have stories like this of guys you end up just sitting around talking with for another half an hour. Um and uh I talked to him once over Zoom, I think, before we had gotten out there for, you know for a game story. I was like, wow, this guy's good. I need to get him for the podcast. And he was great. Um he just didn't, you know, hasn't really performed and has he's yeah had struggled with injuries. Uh, started to look like he was starting to figure some things out this year. I still think he has a chance to be an offensive-minded second baseman, um, but really, I'm picking him because he was such a great personality and an interesting uh, interview. But uh, well done, Mr. Callis. It, well Does the
1: fact he was a Georgia Bulldog for a brief time play into that at all? So maybe that was somewhere in the back of your mind, but he left Georgia, so I would yeah. thought he'd be dead to you. No, no, he just he, he wasn't going to get a chance to play. He was blocked yeah, by yeah. LJ Tally, so no, no, no. No hard feelings, but no uh, malice there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So no who's your malice. guys? sorry right, Jim. Malice. So malice. Oh, that's the name of the segment. The, the, yeah. I, I do have a lot of malice. So we'll, callous malice. We, callous malice when We talk about the rule five in, in future podcasts. Right. Um. Well, like when I first saw the question, like I thought of non top 100 guys and I thought of guys, you guys know, I love Kate Horton, who's with the Cubs now and Chase DeLauder who the guardians drafted. And I said, guardians and not Indians. So no, fine. Um, but like those guys are top prospects, they aren't that far off top 100. So I was I was racking my brain, and I, I came up with again I, I went back to the fall league because we just left there, and I did not talk to this guy because he got written up right before I got to see him pitch. Well, but Mason Miller really intrigues me. Um, you know, just when he he kind of Good exploded on. onto the draft scene in the fall of 2021 when he got to Gardner Webb after transferring from Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, a Division three school. I'd I'll admit I'd never really heard of, do you, I'll probably ask you, Jonathan, do you know where Waynesburg, Pennsylvania is since you're a Pennsylvanian?
0: Vaguely, it's somewhere in central Pennsylvania, but I don't, I don't really know exactly where.
1: Okay. So anyway, I, like, I had not heard of it. He he got just knocked around for two years there, then got diagnosed with diabetes. They got his diet under control. He put on weight. He was better. You know, the pandemic kind of killed his chances of being seen and getting drafted in 2020. So he transfers to Gardner-Webb. In 2021, he had other offers, but he liked, I think it was their, I think he got an MBA. He was a graduate transfer and he was up to 98 and he had a pretty interesting slider. And he was at the first draft combine, not very, a lot of the pitchers, even this year, don't throw bullpens, a lot of the better pitchers. Um, and he was the best arm who threw at the combine. Uh, Ace took him in a third round pick. Hasn't pitched a lot in pro ball because he had, if I remember Jonathan, a scapula injury. Does that sound right? He's, he's that in your,
0: sounds it. right, yes. Yeah, he
1: didn't pitch until late August. And then I saw him in the fall league. I saw him twice. So the first time I saw him, he threw, he touched 102 with his fastball, and he walked three guys and couldn't get out of the second inning. And it was kind of a disappointing look. But I saw him in the last week of the regular season, and he I think he touched 101 that day, and he was blowing guys away with a slider. And I think he only walked one more batter in his final four or five AFL appearances after his first one. And I mean, look, he's got to prove he could stay healthy. He's got to come up with a change up. Um, you know, teams are, you know, Jonathan, you know, I've talked about this. It's hard trying to figure out where to put teams are very concerned about type one diabetics and, and their endurance and how that affects them as prospects. So you got to figure that out too. Um, but he was no question the best stuff in the fall league of any of the starters and so he kind of intrigues me just the background is so unusual, you know, going from Waynesburg to, to Gardner-Webb. And you know, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. So I, I guess he's, he would be my my, my pick for this question. I,
0: no, I like that pick. And it's, it's interesting because I think I put him back on the top 30. He'd come off just because he hadn't pitched. You know, he's 24 now. Uh, and then I had multiple people with the A's who were watching him throwing as he was getting back, uh, saying you need to keep an eye on him because the stuff is still ridiculous. And if, you know, if he can figure that out, so, and before I get angry, you know, emails from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Waynesburg is in the lower Southwest corner, uh, kind of right across the border from Morgantown, West Virginia.
2: Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just East of West Waynesburg. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and South of 84, Pennsylvania.
0: They just ran out of names, so they started numbering towns. All
2: right. Thanks uh, to our listeners for those questions, and thanks to you for listening. That's going to be a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. See you next week.